0: Hello and welcome to The Digital Lighthouse. I'm Zoe Cunningham. On The Digital Lighthouse, we get inspiration from tech leaders to help us to shine a light through turbulent times. We believe that if you have a lighthouse, you can harness the power of the storm. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Idafi Anaheim, who is Head of Data for Effective Development at the Department for International Development. Hi, Adafi, and welcome to The Digital Lighthouse.
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: Can I ask you to start by telling us a bit about your current role and about your organisation?
1: So I started at the Department for International Development, or DFID, just to keep it a little shorter. (laughs) Um, About eight months ago, I was brought in as part of the department's move to make data more valuable and trusted throughout the organisation and with our partners in the development space and across government. So that was my, my remit. Quite broad, both myself and some of the new roles that were brought in like a Chief data Architect. The Department for International Development is the leading UK department for official development assistance, which is the 0.7 of our gross national income that is used to help ex- end extreme poverty. So part of our role is to distribute the ODA, as it's called, Overseas Development Assistance, and monitor the impact of the programmes that we commission.
0: Mm, fabulous. So data is obviously super important for determining how how these grants are used, right?
1: That's right. I mean, DFID is a department of two parts. It's heavy on good policy that changes lives. And it's also heavy on the numbers that support that, the evidence, building that evidence, the science and technology area, as well as statistics and more traditional data areas as well. So data is incredibly important. It's a way of us understanding the impact that we have, us understanding what we're doing as an organization. For us to understand how our, our people are doing so data is incredibly important and it affects everyone within the organization so it's important that we have good data people trust it and that we can use it to achieve our, our goal which is to end extreme poverty
0: Mm, Absolutely, what a brilliant use of data. So I like to ask my guests uh, how times are turbulent and obviously we're just living in such a turbulent world right now all over and obviously all of that touches the Department for International Development or is your concern but how are times turbulent for you kind of as an organisation right now?
1: Along with many other people and organizations, we are feeling the impact of the pandemic. Now, DFID is an organization with two UK departments, locations rather, one in Whitehall and one in East Cup in Scotland. So that means that we are operating under two different lockdown Mm. schedules. So that was one challenge. We also have country offices, all over the world. I believe there are 44 country offices around the world in the countries that we are supporting. And that has also been quite a challenge for the people living there, for our staff. So we are facing the pandemic, not just on a multi-country UK scale, but also on a global scale. And that's affected us, the people we work with. It's also affected the programmes that we are funding, so there's been a real impact and from my perspective it affects the data, we have to collect different data to understand what's happening with COVID-19 around the world, what projects and programmes people put in place, what's the outcome, You know, are we improving lives and that's across multiple dimensions and themes, so that could be health, that could be economic recovery. There's so many different things under which we could evaluate our progress you know, using data. So it's incredibly important that we have the right data to support the right policies and to support the right programmes. So we are doing quite a bit of work on rolling out quickly but rigorously everything that people need data-wise to support a pandemic. And as we start to come out of that and go towards economic recovery, then that's uh, yet another question. If you think of it as phase two now, coming out of lockdowns, countries start to do that, how can we support that? How can we make sure the right data gets to the right people when they need it and in the right form so that they can quickly make the decisions they need to make?
0: That's super interesting, particularly this idea of realising that you need different data. <laughs> the pandemic has kind of prompted us to, or has created a requirement for different data, which I guess, you know, one of the challenges with data is that you can never go back and historically create data, right? So have you got a kind of continuity issue of you've started collecting some new data, but you're not going to be able to match that to before?
1: There are ways in which we can collect data from the past with advances in machine learning. We have a data science team and we have really great collaboration with the ONS who have a data hub in East Kilbride, which also works on Global Good Projects. So there are ways and means to do that, but obviously they are not as easy or simple as collecting the data from today. So one of the things that we have a lot of strengthening at DFID is our aid management platform. It's a tool that we developed in-house. We have a lot of development, really good development capacity. We developed this tool in-house to help us to manage our programs more effectively, to manage our portfolios more effectively. And that means that we haven't hit as many problems as you might think to add this new data you know, category, to add this new event if you think of the COVID nineteen pandemic, the, the fact that the entire world has been affected, it's something of a black swan event. But luckily we are used to black swan events. <laughs> and we um, we already have some thinking around well, how do we best capture that? But it's also allowed us to be innovative in how we capture the COVID nineteen. Black Swan event so that in future if we have events that may be not quite as dramatic and not quite as big an impact we can still capture them in new ways so that's prompted us to make some really great Innovations in how that's recorded, but it hasn't led to any real issues reconciling data that was held in the past. Mainly because COVID-19 projects, a lot of the programs and work that's been done would most likely be new commissions or pivoting of a commission to take into account COVID. So there's, there's, you know, luckily there's no real problem in that area. But in general when if this problem happened if you did have a problem that you didn't record something before and you now need to start recording it but you don't don't have the history well it's like the planting an oak tree when's the best time to plant an oak tree and today (laughs) 30 years ago would have been the best time but today is an equally good time to plant that oak tree because you have to start somewhere and that's the end of the day you have to work out what's the value of historically retrofitting this data and getting it from historical sources. In general, people record quite a lot of more information on structured documents than they might do in structured data fields. So there's usually the potential to go back and to retrieve that uh, information in some way, but obviously there's a cost associated and you have to do a cost value analysis at that point and go, is it worth us doing this? What value will it add to our insight? Or should we say, you know, we know this from X date and that's from when we can start to analyse this data and start to provide quantitative analysis. But perhaps we can provide qualitative analysis or case studies or other means to backfill that insight that we didn't have previously. So there are ways around it, luckily, that we can deploy if we need to.
0: That's such a fabulous analogy with the oak tree. And the management platform, is that something you were planning already, or is that something you've developed kind of in response to the pandemic?
1: The Ed Management Platform, or AMP, because we love abbreviations, (laughs) has been going for some time. It was developed, I believe, about five years ago. So it has been uh, developed and it's it's used by all our programme managers and the senior responsible officers, both in the UK and in all our overseas offices. So it's a it's an existing tool which we were then able to leverage for the pandemic, and it's the same across other areas. We already had remote working tools, so we we're able to leverage those. So there's been a lot of advances in government around technology, around digital, and around data that has really helped us to pivot into this new way of living in you know, much easier than it would have been, say, 20 years ago when you know you would have not had everyone having laptops or having internet connection or having applications on the cloud that's both secure, but also accessible. Mm -hmm. That would not have been possible say 20 years ago, but it is possible today. And that's thanks to a lot of the work that's been done to replace these legacy systems with cloud-based, secure, accessible systems that you can work from any location. And that's really paid off for our staff. I mean, we know that that's not the end of it. It's not just a case of you've got a laptop, you can work from anywhere, that there are other considerations. But from a technology perspective, certainly all the work prior has paid off really well. And the transition has been, at least from my point of view, pretty seamless. I have now been locked down, working at home in lockdown longer than I was working in the office because i only started eight months ago Mm -hmm. so i've now spent more time in lockdown working but it's certainly access to technology has been seamless even though we know that not everyone enjoys working from home because sometimes you don't you know there might be other pressures if you've got children for example, that can be quite difficult trying to be a teacher and 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 work. But we have a lot of well-being initiatives in place to try and support people, uh, no matter what situation you find yourself in.
0: Fantastic. So, so just what a fabulous enabler technology has been to enable things to at least continue, albeit with with changes. So what I like to focus on in the podcast is learning that comes from times being turbulent because we could just sit here and have a chat about, um, (laughs) gosh, how dreadful is everything and how many things are there to be fixed. But actually, I'm really interested in what have you learned as an organization and what have you learned about the kind of services your organization delivers as a result of, of going through this time?
1: I think one of the main things that we've learned is that everyone is an individual and you need to look at individual circumstances rather than treating everyone as if we're in the same boat. We're all on this ocean, but we're in different boats. So that's the first thing that we've learned is that we need to look at the individual, we need to support the individuals, and blanket policies don't work necessarily as well as they should or you would think they they would. Knowing your team being able to approach your line manager and discuss things that are you know essentially discuss your vulnerabilities with your line manager is incredibly important there's been quite a few all staff which is where everyone gets together to get briefings and to ask questions to senior staff and that's increased the number of those have increased and that's given people a really great sense of understanding of what's happening and being able to ask their questions directly. That's been very, very helpful. The lines of communication have been much more open. One thing we found in my department through our uh, fortnightly All Staffs, which is at a department level, is that we now get to understand what life is like in Nigeria, we get to understand what life is like in Delhi for people in lockdown. That we may not have had previously because the all-stars would have been in person with some people dialing in but not not maybe being able to participate as much as the people in the room but now it's it's everyone's on equal footing and i just love hearing what people are doing you know how they're coping people are cooking people are you know knitting sharing recipes it's just absolutely brilliant to connect us with our colleagues in overseas offices. It's been a great leveler. I think that's one thing that we've we've noticed, it's been a great leveler. It's made us rethink about how we work together, how we can best communicate, share information and, and you know, progress on our deliverables while still maintaining the well-being, staff well-being and giving people a chance to take a breath during the day so that's been the key thing I think that's come out of the pandemic it's that thinking about it's not just a case of taking work and putting it online it's a new channel it's a new environment how do we work best in this environment we're still learning but we are picking up lessons all the time and certainly from my point of view it's enriched my understanding and my connections with colleagues all over all over DFID and beyond cross-government as well. I have certainly met more people virtually than I would have been able to do in person, and that's been a really enriching experience for me as part
0: of the pandemic. Mm, that's such a fabulous example of exactly the kind of thing that I, I wanted to get to, right? Because treating people as individuals, it's timeless learning. That's not something that's changed, about the world. It's just something that you have been able to understand better as a side result of the situation that maybe you wouldn't have chosen to be in. And yeah, I just think that's incredible. So we talked a little bit about practicalities of what needs to be done differently. Have you got any examples of things you are changing as an organisation, you know, maybe at a deeper level in terms of your approach or how you think about things?
1: From my perspective, working in the data field, one of the things that we have really tried to understand is how we can help people access our services a lot easier than they normally would have. Because one of the things that we found is that so everyone's on the internet. I don't know if you've, ever, you've noticed this the first few weeks of pandemic, everyone was on the internet. It was a real challenge to get a good signal, to get reliable service. So one of the, the changes, practical changes from our point of view, is what could we do? How might we make it easier but still secure for people to access the you know our services? And that might be a case of, for example, can the service be run off the virtual private network? Is there there any changes we can make to the way that reports are delivered so that they are smaller bandwidth needs to load them up? Mm. All sorts of initiatives like that that we may not have needed to consider before. That's from a purely data perspective. From a working perspective, there's been thoughts around, uh, and actions, I should say, just thinking around flexibility for working hours for parents. It's not necessarily a new thing, but it's probably a rise in the number of people needing workplace accommodation. And when I mean to say accommodation, I mean accommodating something that may not be their normal working practices. Parents immediately spring to mind, but also carers, full carers, Mm. people who have contracted COVID and maybe recovering are also a demographic that we need to consider. There's also the fact that it's a pandemic and people don't want to take holidays. I think that's been (laughs) the most interesting thing is that obviously nobody wants to take a holiday and sit at home because then you're stuck at home and it doesn't feel any different from going to work. Encouraging people to take annual leave, I think, has probably been the biggest. Practical change has been that you normally don't need to do that. Encouraging people to do that and not think of it as a waste of time because you're just at home has been certainly something that we've had to consider. How do we do that? How do we engage people with with taking annual leave and to, to be rested because that's important. But you wouldn't think that that would be a, a, a challenge. But then that, that has a downside. If people don't take annual leave, they get exhausted. And if they get exhausted, you know, their well-being is affected. So that's really important that it, you need know, to keep an eye on, on a set of individuals again and start to see those patterns emerging and think of how how can we accommodate this? How can we make sure that people feel like they can take? And part of, part of that is also to model that behaviour and, and show leadership by talking about the fact you're taking time off and <laughs> what you might be doing in that time off and encouraging what people to do the same. So that's been one of the things that we've done to kind of encourage that.
0: Yeah, because actually, it's not just that you need to take leave as much as you did before. In the midst of a global pandemic, you probably need to take leave. You know, the need is even greater than it was before for people to make sure they are getting rested and then... You know, coming back ready to go. So that's, that's fantastic. So, just finally, looking from kind of where you're situated now, what does the, the future now look like for your organization?
1: The future for us is going to be, you know, wider horizons. From my perspective, as a, in data, the challenge is also broader. The data that we need to collect, store, secure, and make available for people to do fantastic projects on them to get that insight out. That's a bigger space. There's more to understand. Because data is a service. It provides insight and it affects everyone in the organization. So it's very important. But also that the data that we hold and that we is accessible to them reflects their understanding of the world. Even if it challenges their beliefs, it should reflect and give them that trust that they can trust the, this data. We want them to be curious, we want them to challenge if they think the data is not right, but what we don't want is a mistrust of the data or people thinking they need to do additional manipulation to get the results they need. Mm. almost a frictionless service, if you like, and building that takes time and is it, an organisation change challenge, certainly, but it, it's a much broader challenge now
0: Mm, fantastic! So it sounds like there will be challenge ahead as well, <laughs> but obviously you will be using the skills that you've you've used over the last you know six months and prior to find solutions and grow as an organisation. It sounds fantastic. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show to help us shine a light for others. And thank you for doing this enormously.